0: The red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome
1: Boom, we're live. Jan Ditchfield. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so
0: much for having me in. Uh
1: I saw your post, a little context, uh, from Maurice, uh, who was a guest on the podcast a few episodes ago, and I immediately was kind of wowed at, at the premise of what you were doing. I found it so interesting. Uh, it's called Rise. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that because I think it's really cool.
0: So Rise is my company that we have just launched uh, this month, actually. And we provide back-to-work strategies for mothers returning to work. Great.
1: So, I mean, you sent me your bio and I was kind of like, so you're very kind of, you've, you've been involved with entrepreneurial stuff uh, I guess for a while, award-winning even. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we'll, we'll get into why you wanted to start this before, but like, take us through a little bit of, of your, your journey to this point. Um, have you always been an entrepreneur type character? I know you have some volunteer experience. Um, I know it's a long-winded answer, but, or question, but
0: that's okay. Um, I think, I think I probably always was. I think what I probably was growing up was more a person who had a lot of big ideas and Mm. had absolutely no understanding of how to execute them. (laughs) Um, So I think becoming an entrepreneur took some time to understand that the idea actually has to be turned into something, Um, and that's where I'm thankful for business school for that, which is what kind of gave me the grounding of saying, okay, well, I now know how to take an idea and put a business plan around it. Um, But I launched my 1st nonprofit. In 2009, and uh, that one was called. That at the time it was called One with One, and we focused on helping people who are blind um, regain confidence through sport. And it was specifically mm. triathlon that we did. And uh, I re- it rebranded to the Tandem Project a few years later. But we, I ran that for close to 10 years, mm. and then I also just launched another nonprofit in um, 2017 called Bridge. Uh, C14, and it's an organization that provides support for family members who are going through the MAID process, so medical assistance and dying. Oh, wow, so, okay. Um, they offer support from like beginning, middle, and end throughout the process, because there are no support systems in place for families. Yeah. So, it was something that I saw a gap and um, built the organization. It's run by a CEO now, okay. an amazing woman, whom I adore, um, but I was kind of the person who put it together and then got it up and running and stepped out. Right.
1: Now, so- were those it was based on like personal experiences, or you just kind of saw like this was happening and started asking questions about it?
0: Um, personal experience and seeing a gap that somebody right. wasn't addressing it. So both cases were um, right. with um, my first. A non-profit it was because a friend of mine lost their sight and I saw what happened to her life and in the case of the second one it's because I went through the MAID process with my mother okay. um, so and we were one of the first ones to go through the process in uh, the Ottawa region and uh, and it was incredibly difficult to find anyone to talk to or get support right. from. so I it's just what I seem to do if I see a gap I somehow did get determined I'm gonna fill it so
1: yeah very, very admirable because like you said, a lot of people have great ideas and all these big ideas and then to implement them and eventually get them off the ground and started. That's, that's, that's I mean, it's great. It Truly is. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, if you don't mind me asking, I know that might be a big subject, but going through that process specifically of made and it being so new, like, have you seen growth? Through your organization and the nonprofit for profit now like for people who might be going through it? like has there been steps made or is like the government still kind of like it's like a very taboo subject for a lot of people.
0: It's changing. It has yeah. changed a lot. Yeah, I think like when I went through it, I I wouldn't speak about it. I was something that um, nobody really knew. There was a very, very small group of people who knew what was happening, mm-hmm. which made it harder because um, when you go through cancer, you can always find someone who can relate to that. Or if you've mm-hmm. gone through other types of terminal illness, people, there's always a support system in place. But with MAID, it was so hush hush, and you were so careful not to talk about things, or embarrassed, or concerned. That there was a whole level of grief that kind of got added on mm-hmm. to the grief that you were already in. Um, but it's changing. Mm-hmm. I think it's dependent too on where you are and what community you live in. So right. people who are more urban tend to have a better experience than people who are more rural. Um, you know, people who are more open with it and have really close family and more you know tend to have a better experience than those who perhaps are coming from really religious backgrounds or don't feel as though they have the same family members um, or having to, for me, what was so difficult was um, trying to um, get support and make the system work in our favor um, because what we were trying to do was my mom wanted to die in, in home. And up until that point, nobody was providing maid uh, outside of hospitals. Mm. So trying to say, get someone to agree to let my mother die in her home was beyond challenging. So wow. it just so that was really kind of where the struggles that I had were specific to that, and then specific to living through that level of grief and um, trauma of going through that. So, and then it lasted like it it held on for a while. So, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Was, so was it more of a the the not for probably Is it like a, an advocacy, or like do you actually are able to connect services? Because um, you mentioned, you know, on on this podcast, we've had numerous people come on and share their mental health stories and with PTSD and trauma mm-hmm. and all those things. And, uh, I mean, just in general to find a service to, to help you in, in a timely fashion is difficult, but for something like that, which is, I don't want to say it's niche, but not necessarily everybody goes through it. Like, is that's, is your organization aimed on trying to actually connect the supports with, with people who are going through it? Or is it just more like kind of like a, a generally raising the awareness about it?
0: No, it's not an advocacy organization at all. It's full support. Right. So, yeah, it's 100% support-based. So the majority of the work that they do um, is in um, creating meetups around the country. So um, people, family members are able to get together with family members, um, have a cup of coffee or a drink and talk about how they feel, or they can talk about normal things. Like sometimes we just have conversations about, you know, how are your kids doing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an online uh, network as well that's been created. Uh, the woman who runs it now, our CEO, is a social worker. So it's very social work-based, right. the work that's being done. And it's nothing to do with advocacy. Like, well, we listen and definitely peop- and participate in the conversation, I would say, but it's not the the focus of it. The focus right. is on me ma- wanting people to feel supported and healing. Yeah. That's, yeah.
1: That's, that's very interesting. I had no clue of you that when you were coming in here too. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's nice that it pops up yeah. spontaneously. Uh, the reason though, uh, I, we definitely wanted to, to get together and chat was about rise. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, again, I always like to kind of, when I, when I meet people and, and we're talking on the podcast, I like to bring up the, the layman. I'm totally, I'm not, a woman obviously I'm not you know involved uh, even when my my uh, my brothers were born uh, I was very young so I didn't understand pregnancy now in in the I guess pop culture in the media you you know motherhood it's the nine months you go back to work everything's great everything's fun um, you know you hear a lot about America and that they don't even su- su- you know provide that service of, of maternity leave mm-hmm. so here in Canada The common, I guess, for people who aren't inside the situation is that, like, it's pretty good for women here. Um, I'm I'm guessing it's not quite as easy as as someone who has no real experience around it uh, thinks it is.
0: Yeah, I think, um, and I will say that before I had any real experience around it, I thought it was also easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was... Very mistaken when I returned to work, or and uh, so for me because of the the type of work that I did, I um, would run my nonprofits, but I also worked as a gun for hire. So I would go in and work for uh, nonprofit organizations on specific projects. So they usually had to do with marketing or uh, raising funds or fixing operations. So it was very time pressured, um, very driven, uh, all consuming type of work, mm-hmm. and I would go in. Get out, go in, get out, go in, get out, and that's pretty much kind of the the supplement of how I did my right. my career growing up. And I got, I was quite known for that. So for the change for me, what happened was I ended up getting um, at becoming a mom later in life. So I had my daughter at forty two, which was so I was well into my career at that point. Right. Um, and for me, I had. Um, gone through the process with my mom and, um, you know, kind of then had to go through the grief process with that and understand that. Then I decided, okay, I'm ready to go back into my career full time and get back into the swing of it. And I did some big, big projects and then um, took an extended maternity leave. So I was off for 14 months when I decided that I was ready to go back to work. And um, I think for me, the biggest misconception was that I could just ease back into that old life and without having to make any modifications. And so the stress that I went through of trying to ease back into that life while I have another human being 100% reliant upon me, uh, it just backfired completely. Um, I think that Some women probably have really great return to work experiences. um, But I think there's a lot of women who realize after they have a child that they don't want to go back to the career they were in. Mm. They don't want to do the hours that they were doing. Um, Most of the time, you know, you end up seeing your child only for maybe an hour a day. And that's not necessarily how all people want to parent. So um, that's where the choice comes down, I think, is the bigger question is, you know, what type of choice are you making with your own profession and where do you want to be? And that's what this organ, what my business is focused on is personalized responsive okay. support. So what we're doing is working with women to specifically target what is the goal and here's the strategies in place to get to that goal. So it's not like an all consuming. We think all women should behave the same way mm-hmm. when they return to work or it, this is completely based on what's your goal and what's going to make you happy within your family situation. So
1: that's, And because we live in a a kind of a time and even you kind of speaking about it, that that pressure, the time sense of like the all consuming work. I I feel a lot of people um, are we're in that kind of that grind mentality of society. And you hear people talk about that a lot and your burnout coming up and and all those things. But, you know, I think for a lot of women, it might be even a little bit worse Mm -hmm. because you're under that that scope of having to maybe think you have to do more or have to do more to get the attention or um, to outperform other people to get that, that recognition or that promotion or that raise, you know, women are under a lot of pressure, not only societally, but, but, you know, personally to, to perform at work and and really show that they're hard workers, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to have, that perspective of choice so you're not saying that's necessarily bad if you don't want it to be?
0: No, I think not at all. I think the reality for women right now is that, you know, we've got about 82% of the of women work outside of the home now and they still contribute to 80% of the chores with inside the home. So if you think of that balance, right, mm. of the, like, the, how are you, sp- and then you add a child into the middle of that, where is the time left for you? Right. You know, where's the right. time? How can, no one can balance a load like that successfully. Um, and I, I took a lot of pride in the fact that I could handle a lot of stress and that I was able to juggle a lot of things. And, you know, with my own um, feelings of failure as, as a working mom, I think that would be a good good way to describe how I felt when I just realized that this, what I couldn't do with the load, this much of a load at this pace, um, came down to the choices of what was best for me and my family. So that's where I think there's some women who really are, are focused on... Um, their careers are really important to them. Uh, mine is extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. I very much define myself by my my profession. I always have. But at the end of the day, wanting to be with my daughter and wanting to be able to be um, a major influence in her life outweighs some of the other things. Right. So it's, then it came a matter of, for me of how am I going to redefine myself as a professional and so that I can balance out the things that make me happy as a woman with the things that make me happy as a wife and a mother and that's where this business came from
1: right yeah you mentioned the feeling of failure and that is you know something I've heard over and over again And I'm just curious was it failure you felt a failure as um like a businesswoman in your career a failure as a mother kind of like a combination of the two Like, what were were kind of your emotions before making
0: these decisions? I felt like a failure as everything. So as a mother, um, as a business person, a professional, as a woman, um, as a spouse, like, I just felt like, you know, uh, as an individual, just trying to carry all of that and uh, understand um, how to manage the stress loads within it. Uh, I think, and not being able to talk about it. I think Mm -hmm. that was the other piece was that I... I did the opposite of what you should do. So instead of talking about my stress, I pushed it down and I was thought, you know, well, I, you know, I'm weak. I can be stronger than this. I think it's the classic thing everybody yeah. talks about when it comes to, you know, riding that thin line of, you know, your mental health stress yeah. really is what it is. Absolutely. So I think when I finally got to the point that I realized this was not the way I wanted to be, um, and it was a good seven, eight months in before wow. I sat back and said, this is not working for me. I need to make some changes, um, to make myself happy. And again, um, so when I did, and I finally, you know, took the time to step back and really examine like what I was facing. Uh, I was experiencing upwards of 50 panic attacks a day. Um. I was, yeah, I was breaking out in stress rashes. I started losing my hair. Um, so I think, you know, that no one wants to live that way yeah like, you just don't want to live like that so
1: um did you now again you don't have to answer this completely if you don't want to but was there a history of you know mental illness or mental health problems for you before that um or was it like this was like a very acute thing where you, like it was all new to you um or like it was it a, kind of like a build like just trying to get the mindset of, of
0: where you're at when
1: you had to make this choice
0: so for me i think like Anxiety had been something that was always very normal in mm-hmm. my life from a child onward, um, but I don't—I don't think I ever identified it as being like a mental health thing. It was just like. I was high, strung right? right. I was. I get into situations and having, you know, I'd have an anxiety attack. But the level of what of this, I'd never experienced anything like this before. So, um, you know, like when I remember the day that I broke out in that rash and I couldn't figure out what was happening, I thought I was having an allergy attack, and I, you know, Doctor Google quickly came <laughs> to the res- rescue. Um, and when I realized, I was like, well, that makes an awful lot of sense. So it was the, in the same day I brushing my teeth and stood up and looked, and I've got this giant bald spot on the top of my head. And and the day before, there was hair there. And I was just like, nope, this has got to stop. Um, I think it's amazing what stress does to your body. And I think it's yeah. amazing what um, you can convince yourself is normal until you decide that no, this is actually not normal. This right. isn't the healthy way to be.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a friend. Uh, she was on this podcast before. Her name's Mallory Rowan. And uh, a similar experience that she actually just recently shared not too long ago, but like she started a business. Um, and it was growing and you you think everything's all hunky-dory on the outside but she shared very similar and now instead of running that business she runs kind of like a business coaching where it's called business without burnout Mm -hmm. um and it's all about trying to create a successful business without these that that stress that you said that man like manifested so physically for you yeah like i've never experienced that but like the stress for me like it I, I chronically have like tight shoulders and I clinch my jaw and grind my teeth yeah and I, I remember talking to my doctor he's like oh yeah it's probably stress you should cut it down what do you mean it like stress is just you're having a bad day and it's yeah you know but like when you learn about the science and everything behind it and how much it actually affects everything yes yeah um, and it starts leaking into your other parts of your life where you don't want it to mm-hmm. when it might just be work stress all of a sudden you're you know maybe Obsessively talking about things a lot or or lashing out or it's it's scary mm-hmm. very scary mm-hmm. um so you started this business now what kind of things you know do you see so client- you know obviously not specific stories, but like I'm sure there's just a a diverse set of challenges and problems that are coming to you with with this, like, you know, again, coming some, from somebody who's completely naive to all these situations, what are women going through when they're trying to get back to work out after maternity leave and having a
0: child? So it's right across the board. Yeah. Yeah. It's com- yeah. Um, so some women have actually taken like extended time off. So they've stayed home and raised, you know, two children or more. So they've been out of the workforce for years at this point, And now they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I take my skills and, get back in. Um, There's other women that I've worked with who've decided that they're going to go back to school so they're transitioning from employment to motherhood to school being a student as a mother and then trying to completely change their career and get back out again. Um, There's some people that I look at as I talked before trying to make transitional changes so they don't want to be working where they worked anymore or they want to be working in a different department than they were working in. Most of the time what I'm seeing is the the common similarity is that either what they were doing is not filling them with passion anymore, hmm. or the career that they had was very high level driven career, and they need to back down to something that still fills them but doesn't drive them. Um, so those are, seem to be like the two biggest ones that I I'm currently working with, or, and that's why I we do a lot of I have a lot of time with my clients where I'm talking about you know and reimagining who you are and recreating who you are and really working on that personal brand mm. again so your your professional identity changes. For me it did after having a child and I think there's a lot of women who could relate to that and then saying well how do I go from being mummy to being, you know, Ms. Ditchfield in a boardroom again, when my brain is still thinking about, oh, did I pack her mm. this and did I do that and I have to get home on this time and not being able to stay or want to stay mm-hmm. after hours and do evening events and things like that because right. you're going to miss bath time, right. you're going to miss bedtime, you're going to miss those things. So the most of the clients I work with, that's what they're focused on, is, you know, ha- trying to find balance. Trying to avoid burnout, I think Mm -hmm. you know, just like your friend was doing. Of the same reason, I created this business was I hope more women don't have to experience what you know that that level of stress when they decide that they want to resume their careers again. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of changes that need to be done within uh, you know the employment industry. Period. There, you know, people, the we really need to start looking at being more family focused and being less driven by um producing and you know expecting that you know sixty hour work weeks are normal right. they're not you know it's the way that the work week has was defined was back when men would work and women would stay home, so there was an equal division of labor, but that doesn't happen very much anymore there you need two incomes most of the time to run a house now. Oh. Like there's, yeah. you know, unless you've managed a lot of sacrifices otherwise. Mm-hmm. So there's that pressure, and then there's a pressure of university and putting away for your future of your children and retirement, figuring out retirement and, and, yeah. and yeah, and tickety tickety tick. So
1: it's not, <laughs> it's not cheap raising a child for sure. Oh no, um, it is not. My yeah. parents have adopted five kids oh, now, wow. so now that we're all grown up, yeah. they're re- like raising a family again, <laughs> and just you know, watching everything to that they have to pay for and everything, but the, the the dramatic rise of cost. Yeah. Like, it's it's obscene. Even daycare. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but it has seriously made me consider, do I want to have kids? And if so, I know I don't want to have a large family now mm-hmm. because of just of that stress of the cost and taking everything else aside. So, I mean, even talk about what we're talking about and returning to work that added stress of trying to raise the your child or mm-hmm. kids with the expenses and, you know, like. Yeah,
0: afford them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and
1: actually, do you think that plays into, Just, you know, women and, and getting back to work and maybe reevaluating things? It's like, I need a higher paying job. Like, is that an issue people are, are grappling with and trying to move up a little bit or at, at all? Like, is that a concern?
0: I, I think. Th- Again, that is probably individual and right. something like that more than it is like, you know, like paint a broad swath with that. Um, I think some of, most of the women I'm, I'm currently talking to and the what I'm working with are trying to either move up in their career or equal out to where they currently are. So, But I don't know if it's necessarily as much driven by money as right. it is by where people are age-wise and where they are in their career. Mm -hmm. Um, goals so which I think is another interesting conversation to look at you know a lot of women I'm working with are millennials and so they're having they've had children and they're kind of like mid-career whereas I was well into a career when I had a child so for me my goals were very very different because I had achieved a lot of professional goals before having my daughter Um, so for me now my focus is a lot more on lifestyle balance I think than it has been on achievement so um so it's a completely different thing you know it's it's again individual so and it's why the work I'm doing is personalized work Mm -hmm. you can't you can't expect that all people are going to feel the same thing or have the same experience so you shouldn't treat people the same way
1: speaking we're talking about you know the things that need to change in the workplace and 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 all that um I'm curious so you've you've been through you know a pretty extensive career with a lot of different experiences has the employment like has the workplace gotten better for for mothers coming back to work you know since you started have you seen a progression and, and then after that i'm very curious like in your opinion what are some big things that need to change about how we view you know, women and mothers and, and, and parents in general in the in the workforce. You know, just speaking from experience, I know there's still a lot of stigma and guilt surrounding like I have to take the work day off to take care of my sick kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I I know people judge people mm-hmm. who do that. And I'm like, mm-hmm, you're like taking it off again, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just a, a clear example from my point of view. But, you know, I I am curious like how much growth have we actually made in the past twenty years, thirty years? And in your opinion, what are some big things that could really change to help reduce some of that stigma?
0: I don't necessarily know if we've made a lot of growth, to be quite frank. Mm. Um, I think there have been, there's been a lot of changes in certain areas, but I think when it comes down to the same problems cropping up time and time again, and it's, um, you know, and I'm again, 20 years into a career of seeing this and then working with women who are telling the same stories. Um, The big problems that seem to all happen come down to um, time off. Right. Um, so that's a big one, right? And being able to have time off. Kids get sick. Daycare shut down. Um, the daycare is by daycare. just announced today they're going on strike. So, you know, and it's like, well, if oh, I was, you know, how am I going to balance that? And all of the women I know who've been impacted by that are now all trying to figure out how are we going to figure out, you know, the strike pattern now and, and taking right. care of our kids while we're working or in school or doing this or that. Um, you end up using a lot of your vacation days for sick time. I think pretty much every single mother burns out of their vacation days before they use anything for themselves. Um, So that reduces family time in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I think so, that's a huge one. I I really think that that needs to sit down and change and look at the fact that families need more support when it comes to time off. being able to have more flexible work schedules. Um, one of the biggest challenges is trying to get kids to daycare and get picked up on time. So the way that most daycares run is that they open and close at a specific time. If you are not within that time of picking your child up before they close, they charge you an X amount of money per five minutes for your late. And then after um, half an hour, usually what they do is they phone um, CAS or there's some place in the, your child will be given over to somebody else to be taken care of. So there's um, not all of them are like that, but a lot of the ones are pretty strict about it. So trying to get, so if you just sit and look at like, for example, one of the daycares, I know their hours start at 7am and they close at 4.30. So, you, if you're trying to, that leaves you with a, like a 30 minute travel window in the middle in the morning and a 30 minute travel window in the evening to get to work on time right. and get home. And we all know it takes more than 30 minutes to get across the city. Yeah. We all know yeah. that. Yeah. It takes 30 minutes to go a block sometimes. So there's that stress, right? Yeah. So being late all Absolutely. the time and having, so the flexibility of knowing that, you know, we don't need to be working 40 hour work weeks anymore. I don't think whether you're a parent or you're not a parent, no one needs to work that much. If you're competent and you're good at your job, you can do it in 20. You can do it in 40. If it takes you 60, you do 60. Mm -hmm. So I think there needs to be some advancement in, in understanding that with, um, mothers and fathers or Mm -hmm. parents Mm -hmm. in general. Um, that's like another complaint that we hear all the time for that, that constantly. And then a big one too, then is promotions in the workplace. So, um, The big thing is announcing pregnancy, the fear of telling your employer that you're pregnant, even though what the laws state, their laws are very much on the side of the women in this case. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter necessarily what if the employer still isn't going to accommodate those rights. Yeah, Um, because you still
1: kind of have to prove it and all that added. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And then... So there's the fear of, am I going to lose my job for this? Um, and then coming back to work, am I coming back to a job? Uh, there's a lot of worry about that. Or am I coming back to the fact that I'm going to get demoted or I'm going to get passed up? Um, I've heard a lot of stories of people being passed up because their employers have like have said, you know, we know you're they're in their baby making prime, so we we won't advance them. We know that they're just going to take another maternity wow. leave. So which is illegal. You can't you can't yeah. make a judgment like that. But again. Women not knowing what their rights are is a different thing than employers taking, like, you know, taking advantage of that situation. So one of the things that within Rise that we're, we've started is an educational series. So we're mm-hmm. doing an educational series for women on different topics that directly impact them. And one of the ones that we're doing coming up is what a woman's right is in the workplace as a mother. So these are your legal rights, and these are what you do if this, these rights are um, violated in some way. Um, and then another one we're working on actually the first one we're launching which is happening in April is with uh, in partnership with the royal and it's on mm-hmm. mental health and working moms and it's specifically Ouch. on talking about mental health for working moms because we do a lot of conversations around like PPD and PPA but we haven't really extended it past what happens when you go back to work right and what is that or if you have undiagnosed like in my case i had undiagnosed ppa so taking that with me and back into the workplace so i have anxiety so coupled with work stress and it was just like a hot mess right. and just yeah. for
1: context that's postpartum
0: anxiety or and postpartum depression, depression
1: yeah right. yeah yeah um i know I'm familiar with that that situation in a way i, I can't really say it on the podcast but it's sad and that it goes undiagnosed Mm -hmm. um and people don't know it because you know as someone who speaks about mental health and has mental illness you know once you learn about it and and, you know and and part of your life you just you kind of understand it but before i knew about it right you don't understand anything's necessarily wrong in the moment yeah so for maybe a a woman who has never been affected really by a mentalist have no clue what depression feels like no one in their families hasn't been surrounded by it mm-hmm. to all of a sudden be have like be thrust into it like, I couldn't imagine that difficulty of trying to navigate it without knowing anything's wrong but like just clearly you're you're just not responding yeah like you normally would normally would yeah yeah, yeah. that's scary yeah um yeah it's I don't know I'm just I find it fascinating because again like this isn't something I would Necessarily talk to my mom about right Mm -hmm. like as you learn about it as a a young male and trying to think about when you're going to have a wife and kids and family and and all those things going through. I guess turning it back on men. Is there more that men can do in these types of situations? I mean, aside from you know if you're a boss, don't abuse a woman's right in the workplace, obviously, but like. Just as a normal guy, like what kinds of things can we do to help aid some of these processes and and just encourage this to all be like a a, a healthy transition?
0: I think um, one of the great things that has happened now is the extending the um, paternity leave. Right. So guys are now men, fathers are now being able to get five weeks off. Um, that's made a huge difference, I know, for me, when my husband took the five weeks and then plus the coupled he was home for close to eight weeks. Um, and that was right at the beginning, and I had no idea what I was doing. So, <coughs> sorry, um, having that chance to have some support there was amazing. Um, but I think one of the things, uh, the way I would look at it the other way isn't necessarily what can men do to support women, but what can employers do to support fathers? Because... Um, in a lot of, I think, all families where there's two parents in the in the house, being able to have the same type of support in place where the load can be shared instead of one person doing more than the other would make for a happier household. So recognizing, I think, that fathers' rights are as equal to a mother's right in the workplace, and that there should be a balancing out of what they. Men should get more than five weeks and, you know, there should be a top up for fathers as well. And they're, you know, for extra time off for kids or not having to use your sick days and be penalized for it. I've heard the same stories of fathers wanting to take the time off and their employers saying to them, like, yeah, if you might want to think about that, if you want your job still to be here. You know, really, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing, right? It's it, it goes both ways. Um, and I think we've. I personally think we're way past that point of saying that, you know, well, men should do X to support women. I think it really comes down to we as a society should do X to support each other.
1: Right. Um,
0: so we, we should be offering more support to fathers and we should be offering more support to mothers as well. So parents in general deserve right. it.
1: Why do you think it's, what's the holdup do you think? That why are we so slow to act on these? What seems like common sense, basic principles that we're still slow and resistant, and in some case, not meeting anywhere close to the needs. Like, why do you think it, it's, we're still like this in a first world nation like Canada? The best in the world. You know, we, we get on that list almost every year. Like, like what's, what's going on, do you think?
0: I think it's a lot has to do with generational beliefs. Mm. Um, And I think we will see it change. I just think there needs to be another rollover that happens. So I think when pretty much with everything that's kind of moved forward in, in society where people have progressed, it's been generational change, right? So the ones behind start becoming the ones who are leading um, and they implement these things into the workforce because it's the philosophies that they bring with them. So I know that we're going to get there. Like mm-hmm. I honestly think probably in the next 10 to 20 years you're seeing more and more young people starting businesses and they have very progressive ideas within the business they're you know um getting into positions of leadership and they're bringing that forward with them so i do see that that's yeah it's going to go that direction i just think it's going to take some time and also we're in ottawa right like we're a government town so it's a a different conversation I think here than it mm-hmm. might be in Toronto where it would be in Vancouver right. with the fact that so many people are employed by the government. And we, everyone knows that that, trying to move that machine itself is that's, <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, again a different a conversation there than if you're in the the, pub, the private sector. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just sad that you have politicians, who support women, we're there for women. But then when you just, you look under those words, it's just, you know, you talk about it mental health in general, just how s- slowly everything's moving. And I remember talking to somebody, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but it was, you know, are we going to see change? And I'm, I'm in agreement, we will, but it's like, it's going to take so long, unfortunately, just to, like you said, get that generational swap, have government move and pass through the bureaucracy and pass the yeah. bills it just it's yeah we just we move so slowly and it's just unfortunate because there's so many people who are suffering or in distress or you know like it's just it, it's just it's not working right now mm-hmm. and we all kind of know it but yeah. it's just just kind of hanging on until hopefully things will change and it's 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 sad yeah um i know i was talking there on the podcast uh Nina, um, who's on and she's studying workplace mental health and, and actually doing the studies and the research behind it. But she was saying like, not even many people are, are even studying these effects. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we can sit here and talk about it all day and we, we know it from experience and, and from the stories and from what we hear. But again, to get that movement, we need studies and research and like, that's only just begun. Yeah. Like we just have people and that's just mental health in general. That's uh, not talking yeah. about the what the effects it plays on women in the workplace and and all that stuff like, yeah yeah. It's so so unfortunate.
0: But again, I think it comes down to that expectation that this is normal, right? That this, it's normal to be stressed. If you have a job, you should be stressed with your job. Yeah. And it's, for me personally, I think it's, and having lived such a stressful career for so many years, I will never do it again. I'm just not going to, like, that isn't normal. It isn't healthy. It isn't the right thing to do. There, stress is inevitable in your life, but there is healthy stress, and then there is stress that is debilitating. And making the choices to step away from that and say this is not the right path for me is mm-hmm. something that we need to be providing to more people so that they can find a path that is a better thing for them to be able to manage. So again, like just trying to drill it back to the my hope with the work that I'm doing right now yeah. is being able to help s- these amazingly incredible talented women I've met from all walks of life be able to say... Like, I can pursue my education, I can pursue my wants, I can pursue my dreams, I can start a business, I can do whatever I want to do and be a mom without having the weight of the world come down on my shoulders. And that's where we need to be actually having the conversation, is the the weight of the world does not need to be sitting on us if we choose to want to have it all.
1: Right. Is there a lot of fear with the people who are coming to see you that... I can't have a successful career as a as a mother. That like, if you want to be a CEO or a president or run a successful business, is there like a a big fear for women that like, it's not possible. Like, I have to choose. I have to be successful in my career or I have to be successful as a mother. Like, I can't high, be high performing at both. Is that like a,
0: a big thing? I think many women fear that. I did. Yeah. I definitely feared that. Um, You know, and even starting this business... Um, where, you know, it's my third startup and, and I know, and I drive usually when I'm doing a startup and it's all consuming and it's everything I do. And in this case, I said, I'm setting hours and at four o'clock when my daughter's off daycare, I'm a mom and that's just what it is. So is driving me again, but in a much more controlled manner. Mm-hmm. I think that it's... Um, my aspirations are still there, but I think for me it's kind of like, well, it might take me a couple more years to get to them, but it definitely I have more control over them this time. Right. However, not all people want to be entrepreneurs, so there's right. a very different thing when you work in a, um, a traditional workspace and you're trying to climb a ladder there, and you're, you know what you have to do to get up that ladder, and if you're competing with someone who doesn't have children, you know it's, it's a bigger climb. Mm-hmm. It is harder to do. It shouldn't be, but mm-hmm. it is. So, and again, there are these unspoken realities. That's the the piece to all of this conversation are, are, you know, people are going to say, well, that's not true. It's not really that hard in the workplace for working women, you know, working mothers. And it's, you know, all of these things are in place for them. Well, like maternity leave and Mm -hmm. all of these things may true. However, you know... We've seen it now with the Me Too movement, and we've seen there's a lot of unspoken realities that still exist out there. So because people are afraid to speak up, they're afraid they're going to lose their jobs, they're afraid they're going to be sued, they're afraid that they're going to be, you know, um, held down in their careers, there's fear overtakes voices on too many occasions. Right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it goes back to what I said right off the top, that like, I'm someone who's completely naive to the, all these situations right you, you only I only see when I talk to people and what I see on social media and you're the you're right the fear because we have so much riding on these these careers and these jobs if people lose their jobs like you're devastated mm-hmm. for a, and set back financially emotionally uh you know mentally like all those things like it it it's a complete devastation to you and especially when you you like you said you define yourself by your career yeah you lose like almost like a personal identity yeah um so you know cynically i think employers know that Mm -hmm. and they hold that over our heads Mm -hmm. and yeah you're right like there's so many conversations that need to be had and it's just it's it's uh it's unfortunate but a big part of the reason why i wanted to have someone like you on to help learn about it and then, you know, spread that, that, uh, that message. Um, I I guess my next question, as I I ponder, like a good way to say it, you know, if you had a room full of managers that, you know, they wanted to learn more, okay, how do we practically how like what are the things like how would you try to change their behavior if like is there like some sort of pitch like if you had a room full of the most powerful people this is what you need to do like this is what is going to ensure you know not only women but all workplaces healthy for parents and like all these things we were talking about like what what's like like a how you you tackle like a per, like a something like that? That's a
0: great question. Um, first of all, I don't think it's just male bosses that need to be in the room. Um, Interesting, yeah. okay. So I think it's bosses, period, that need to be in the room. Um, I think the way... I probably would approach it the same conversation that I've been approaching it with women. Like kind of there's like the five tips that I've been giving to women okay. who are going back to the workforce. And um, one of them is like, first of all, get your daycare in place. Right away. Like, get your daycare in place way before you, if if you can, before you even give birth. Get it in place. That early? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a tremendously difficult thing to find a good daycare. It's, there's, like, there's lots of daycares, but a good daycare is very challenging. I interviewed 62 daycares before we went with the one that we went with, before, when I was going. 62. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, then I mean, some of the ones I walked into, I wouldn't have left a dog there. So, um That would be one thing. And then I would turn that to say to employers, like, you know, like you need to be accommodating of people with their daycare needs. So, for example, Mm. I don't think most employers know, but that actually in the human rights uh, laws that you can't penalize an an employee who leaves because of daycare reasons. So for strikes, um, because your child, there's a daycare shutdown, your child is sick, um, your child, shut, there's a daycare shutdown for vacations, things like that by law parents are allowed to take that time hmm. most employers don't know that most employees don't know that yep <laughs> yep no idea yep so yeah is there's a duty to accommodate when it comes to that so that'd be one thing i'd say Another thing I would say is setting boundaries. So I would say, I've always said to all moms who are going back, set your boundaries before you walk back in. If you are not willing to do the hours that you used to do, set those boundaries clearly before you start so there's no miscommunication. And when, as an employer, I would say when you hear those boundaries that are being set, respect the boundaries. They're there for a reason. So it doesn't mean that an employee wants to come back in and be less productive than they used to be or that they don't care as much as they used to, but they're carrying a much bigger load now than what they had previously. So you're still going to get... It's better to get the best of the people who work for you in a smaller time span than to make them work long time spans and get nothing out of them, Yeah. except for resentment and and eventually a resignation letter. You know, just be logical about Mm it. And then I think the other piece that... I've said to a lot of moms, it's like, I'm trying to think of my five, which three I would go with, is to really, um, hmm, that's a great question. I'm stumped on what the other one would be. Um, I think probably to be, again, really organized and like... It, so, understanding again how you need to run your calendar in the day and how you need to get out of the house to manage to. Like, manage the stress levels that you're going to have. So, Mm -hmm. for me, everything got a lot better when I got hyper-organized. And I was a very organized person to begin with. But doing everything the night before. So, laying out all the clothes the night before. Making all the lunches the night before. Gassing up the car the night before. So, like, I mean, it sounds silly, but stopping in the morning when you have a kid in the back of the car, not all places will let you use your card or...
1: Um, right, to tap. Okay. And so
0: you have to get out, you have to take your child out of the car, you have to go in to pay, you have to come back, strap your child back into the car, get back into the car, drive away. They could be kicking so, and screaming yeah, and yeah, like and like breakfast. No, like a three minute stop has now become 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all of these things kind of roll into place with that. Um, and then on the time that I would say is understand as an employer that those days that people are late is because something went wrong. And sometimes kids just don't work with you sometimes like they just decide nope this isn't going to happen and nothing you're going to do is going to make it happen until you just like you got to wait it out right Mm -hmm. so you're going to be late people are will be late don't penalize the lateness as well i think Mm -hmm. already you know the pressure you're feeling to get out the door and then you have your two-year-old on the floor having a tantrum and you're thinking oh my god i my boss is gonna you know yell at me when i walk in you don't need that you don't need to have work yourself into a state like that before you even hit traffic so
1: so it makes me think of people who work like, you know, shift work or um, service hours, like, you know, mm-hmm. not everyone may necessarily has the salaried career. Mm-hmm. Are you also like dealing with women in that? Because that, that adds a whole other kind of little element to those things you were talking about where it's like. If you're the one who has to be there to open the store and your kid's not, you know, it adds that extra stress.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. Some of the women um, that I am dealing with in that tend to be the ones who are looking for different careers.
1: Right, yeah, Yeah. because you need something that's a little more flexible. A little more flexible, yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, too, there's, you know, it's dependent, too, if you have a lot of family support at home, sometimes things will be easier for you. Um, In our case, my husband and I are it. There is no backup. It's just the two of us. So... If something goes wrong with one, the only there's only other one person to call on, so that changes things for people as well. Yeah. Is is that that support network or that build a village, so to speak? Um, I don't really know if villages exist very much anymore for most people. Yeah, like it's
1: kind of sad eh? how we, yeah. I guess, like part of that's technology, but also part lifestyle. With again the the work hours yeah. now, now you're involved with your like sometimes it's hard to build that community and be social and, and see friends. Right. Like yeah. based on circumstance, do you also help like single women and, and stuff like that? Uh, stuff like that. Single women, single mothers, yep. sorry. Single women. Yeah. Single, single moms. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. What kind of like that presents even a more Particular set of challenges. Yep. Like you, you hear those heroic stories of the the women who work three jobs and and like the kids have to, you know, make dinner themselves. Like, how hard is it for like just putting it into perspective? Like outside of Hollywood and the movies and things you see on the internet. Like, how hard is it for these women right now?
0: Being a single mother there yeah. is the most difficult thing to do. Yeah. I was raised by a single mom. Really? Okay. So, yeah. So, I and so I, I feel like I can say that with all confidence, that being a single mother is the most challenging job you will ever have in your entire life. Like, I don't have anything to complain about in comparison to, right? you know, how hard it is for to do that all alone, by yourself. And it's... it's Being a parent, first of all, it, the job never stops. Oh. It doesn't stop. There is no punch out with that. So, um, I mean... If your your child is at daycare, even though you're not with them, you're still there. You know, they're they're so you add onto the fact that there's nobody to tag you out in difficult situations. That just makes things worse, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but again you know, looking at half full, women are very resilient. They're incredibly powerful. They figure out ways to make things work in situations that other people would probably give up on. Um, They dig in when they need to dig in. Uh, They cry when they need to cry. Um, They ask for help when they need to ask for help. I think that that's the wonderful thing about um, women and like the moms groups that are there is that you can get some really great friendships that come out of that mm-hmm. that make things a lot easier. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: No, it's... That's, uh, it uh, always amazed me, like, you know, the whole th- mom always knows type thing growing up, right? Like, just the intuitiveness of, of you know, my mom, your mom, people's moms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just how they like, always had the answer, always seemed to know something was wrong, it's just yeah it's it's almost like magic
0: yes <laughs> like, you true, know yeah.
1: is there yeah. is there something that just like kicks in all of a sudden uh, when you become a mother or is it just you pick it up as you go like,
0: what? i don't know i think again <laughs> you need that's everyone would answer that differently yeah that's yeah, there's no nobody sharing, shares the same experience yeah, i think okay. we might have like common things but it's some some people just seem really natural at it. Um, other people struggle at it. Um, there's certain things I struggle at tremendously as a mom. There's other things that I think for me I was meant to do. They're just sometimes I I sit there and I actually say to myself, "Boy, I'm a good mom today." Yeah. And then there's other days I look at myself and go, "Cheesh, that was not one of yeah. my one of my epic moments right there." So yeah, uh, yeah.
1: that's a, and that's a good thing, right? It's, as I mentioned, that the mom always knows that it's like. Important to note that it's okay to struggle. Yeah. Um. As a as a, a parent, as a mom, that like it's not always going to be picture perfect. Yeah. And I, I've had those discussions with my mom now that I'm an adult. Yeah. And we look back at the moments that, you know, between us that weren't like the best, but like, to realize they they human like your, yeah. your mother's still a human being with yeah. needs and as a person and that like yeah can't be perfect all the time.
0: And I think the interesting thing for me that I've learned again, um being an older parent, is that uh, without my mom, so I'm parenting without parents, so both my parents are gone, is that when I became a mother, I suddenly understood my own mother very differently. Hmm. So I found that I spent a lot of time now thinking about the relationship we had together and the decision she made and who she was as a woman and going from a woman to a mother. And because when I was a child um, or a daughter, because um, I no longer am a daughter, I looked at my mother as my mother, but now I look at her as a woman. That's what I see her as is, is a woman, and understanding really the the difference um, of trying to, to balance those two different identities in one body. And then you've thrown my mother was also a very accomplished professional, so there's a third identity that you just threw into the right to that as well. So I think for me that was really the one of the most fascinating realizations that I had as a parent was my mother was a woman long before she was a mom. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um just out
1: of curiosity and and from your opinion do you think, you know, I mean having kids in general as from someone who doesn't have kids, do you think that like offers an added set of benefits for being like at work, like being a an employee for somebody? Um like does it does it does it make you a better employee? Does it make you a better worker at all from being experienced as a, a mother as a, as a parent
0: I don't think so no know. I don't think there is a difference between you're a good employee if you have children you're a good employee if you don't have children I've uh, you know I've hired so many people over the years and never would I have looked at somebody and, and said it their work performance was based on whether they had you know bread mm-hmm. or not um, so no I don't okay. No, I don't think so. I think having parent having children changes you in different ways. Um, it might um, it might make you a more loyal employee um, because of the fact that you have you're not necessarily wanting to jump around as much as you used to. And um, you, I mean, you the, response, the financial responsibilities are massive, mm. so that that might be one of the changes. But I don't think there's it doesn't make you suddenly you know be better at math yeah like that true. so yeah yeah
1: um what about like things like empathy or um you know I, I one of the people I work with I call him my work dad and because he's the same age as my dad but we share an office mm-hmm. and always joke about that father-son relationship in a way because mm-hmm. you know he has kids but he's older and I don't know that he s- seems to want to nurture me and see my career growth Mhm. I don't but I don't know if it comes from as like being a parent or as, as as much as just like a working relationship.
0: I don't know. Well, So I did a lot of mentorship before I had my okay. daughter. And so I think, yeah, thing, yeah, I think it's it, if you are empathetic, you're empathetic. And if you're compassionate, you're compassionate. You can't teach those things, though you have them or you don't. Right. Um. I And for me, I would say those skills make you a better employer than, you know, or they make you a better employee. Those those are the things that people want to be looking for mm-hmm. um, more than they're going to be saying, let's hire somebody who has children. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, so what I know we, we've talked about kind of what it what your clients might be going through. What is all, like, all that thing? What kind of services do you? You offer. I know you. Uh, it was the wine thing that really kind of. Ooh. Yeah, wine. <laughs> <us>? Yeah. <laughs> so, what what types of things do you offer for people and and supports and I know you mentioned education and things like yeah. that.
0: So they're pretty specific what we do. Okay. Um. Or so strategy is the first part. So with I offer a free thirty minute consultation to any mom who just wants to talk. So within that time, it really gives me a chance to to see where they're at, what they're worried about, where they are professionally, where they wanna be going, and then be able to um, build something for them that's specific to their needs. So that can usually include um, a resume reboot, so redoing resumes, a LinkedIn uh, reboot as well, or creating one. Um, If you don't have, if you have a bad LinkedIn, um, profile, it's better to not just have one period. like Because that's the first thing people look at when they are looking to hire people is they Google and they click LinkedIn immediately. So mm. you want to be putting most of your effort into your resume and your LinkedIn before anything oh, else. Man, I'm worried about my LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. So it's, it really does matter. Oh, wow, yeah, it okay. really matters. People kind of forget about it. Yeah, but it's, well, I know a lot of yeah. young, like
1: there's a, definitely a section of young people for sure that are really into it and a lot yeah. of friends and stuff and they they do a good job, but someone like me in the industry I'm in, it, it doesn't necessarily rely as much on LinkedIn as it does about connection, so yeah. I haven't put a lot of thought in time. I made it in college because they told me they had one. I've updated it over the yeah. years, but you're like I don't think about it too often now. I'm all like, ugh.
0: Yeah. Well that's the thing, right? Is that if you if you use it as a static page, that's fantastic, but have a really good looking static page. So that's the other thing that we'd look at is social media profiles. Mm. So if you're in an industry where your social media is gonna be more important, that's where I come in and I kind of clean it up and I do a it's basically a branding. So it's right. looking at right across the board of I'm going to create your positioning statement for you. I'm going to create everything that goes behind that. I do website building as well for people. So I've had one client where we did her full brand because she was moving from um, the nuclear industry into food security. So trying to shift her from Mm. being known as this very well-known nuclear wizard um, to food security we redid everything, so we the headshots, um, we took care of um, the website, I built the website for her, LinkedIn, her resume, everything that we've done, her Facebook profile, so kind of like across the gamut, right, with a right. personal brand that I offer mm-hmm. too. And then I also offer two programs as well. One is called we call it the mom -er or mom to mom the mom internship program. So offering is an internship for um, women moms, specifically for moms who've never been able to have. work experience on their resume. So a lot of women who have decided, they've raised their children, the kids are grown, they want to go in back, they want to get a job and there's nothing on their resume and mm-hmm. nobody will hire them or no people won't take them as an intern because of the fact that they have what they deem as no skills. So they can't. I will take them. So I have the, the partnerships I'm starting now with local colleges um, and community colleges oh. where I, we go and we say, this is specifically who we're headhunting for, are for the placements that pe- women who can't get placed elsewhere I will take them on and they'll get placed with me and what I do is provide them with a work experience I'll do the resume for them and then I give a reference as well and so it's a it's a win-win for me cuz I get some really great work um, that comes from these really amazing women yeah, right, yeah. um and but also the chance for them to be able to get real work experience and now they have something on their resume um, so it's just a matter of believing in people, right? Right, Like I believe in this give it forward principle. So you need to, we all should be paying it forward a Mm -hmm. bit. So there's that. And then the other thing I run is a bursary program. So there's a lot of women who can't afford, um, my fees. So I either will do something where I'll trade a service for it. So if you're really great at this, I'll do your uh, work for free. Or, um, we have also women who donate, Um, in. So women who've actually been quite successful in their career will make a donation. And that donation is to buy services for women who need a hand up.
1: So we run that as well.
0: So And then the two educational series that I do, which is the Wine and Learns, which are fully focused on um, arming people with the information they need to know in the workforce. And then we do the Rise Mama um, speaker series, which are really prominent women in the community who've had really successful inspiring stories and that's an evening event so again wine some good food get you know get your mom's night out on and you know come listen to another woman who's done a really good job so that's great yeah so that's that's what we do yeah
1: and sorry you you just kind of launched all this stuff right Mm -hmm. so have you had a, a chance to like have one of those nights yet um and and moving forward into it? Yeah,
0: the first night's March 30th, and we have Diane Bergeron, who's coming in, and Diane is um, a very, very high-up professional with the CNIB, which is the Canadian National Institute um, for the Blind, and she also is an Ironman and a mom and a wife, and she's blind. Uh So fully blind, yeah. So she's coming in. I know her. She's amazing, an amazing human being. So she's coming in to do a talk about her life as a mom and a working mom and all the things she's accomplished along the way. So, wow. you know, and all the things she had to do as well. She has a great story about the time she had to work on a chicken farm. And, you know, so so that's our first night that we're doing is the 30th. And uh, and then we're booking our women for the other nights as well. Yeah. So, so they rotate. So at one month it's the evening series. The next month it's the daytime series. Right, okay. So back and forth, yeah. So right. there's... Um, so December is the only month that we don't, we nothing will be planned, but we're almost fully booked for the year already. So that's amazing. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. about them. I think it's yeah. going to be really awesome and they're intimate. So the, um, wine and learns, which are the daytime series is only 25 women. So you're getting really, really focused attention from the speakers and the evening events are only 50 women. So again, you're getting a chance to really kind of rub shoulders with some, um, great people in the community. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, I'm like, just like, is there a lot of networking for women like this as well? Like when you hear of networking, you think of kind of like high up professionals looking to trade business and stuff like that. But when you get, it's almost like taking the, 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 student kind of networking experience right where you don't have a lot but you get introduced to employers and try to make an impression stuff like that it's what's the community like in Ottawa specifically for women like this like is it a very supportive community like uh, is it kind of something that's lacking a little bit
0: uber supportive. right good yeah uber supportive I even just with other women who are running um, their own businesses or things uh, like that. Um, So for me, my launch really has been based on mother's groups. So the Facebook mom's moms groups or um, Instagram groups and people who are like mom bloggers, things like that. I specifically from um, Brianna Chapman who runs Dope Moms of Ottawa, she has been so supportive of the work I'm doing Unbelievably supportive, and I've starting to get a tremendous amount of potential clients coming out of mm. her group, and it's all because she, I worked with her and helped her, and she gave one shout out to me, and it just kind of opened up this floodgate, right? And this is what women are supposed to do for each other. Yeah, we're supposed to help each other out, and moms are supposed to help moms out because we know how hard it is. So it's a really supportive community. Mm. I'm, I'm feel blessed you know to have been able to be part of this so yeah, yeah. amazing
1: yeah uh, and just out of curiosity is it like do you do uh like internet calls telecalls or just right now just as we're getting started it's kind of just ottawa based
0: no i can do so i am ottawa and gatineau so we're on both sides okay, yeah. um but i'm able to do across the country and as well because really all i need is that first like 30 minutes to an hour with the person all and right. most of the work i can do it can be done through Remotely. email the web yeah yeah, yeah. So I'm able to go pretty much anywhere. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, where if so, if this resonates with people and they're interested and they want to learn more, where can they reach out to you? How can they find you?
0: So they can find us at RiseMama.ca, okay. and so R-I-S-E Mama M-A-M-A, and also on Facebook at at RiseMama and on Instagram at RiseMama. Perfect. So yeah, we are branded right across with that RiseMama. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, good. Yeah.
1: Uh, thank you so much for coming in and, and sharing this with me. I know it's been a big eye opener for for me and i know it will be for a lot of people because again like you said these unspoken conversations that just women know it and it happens to them all the time but like it just never talked about yeah um so i appreciate you sharing that insight with me
0: thank you for giving me a place to talk appreciate it (laughs)
1: okay jan ditchfield everybody rise mama check it out bye
0: take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.